Yeah, the Earth, Wind, and Fire reminds us they're coming to town. They're coming to town next year, Pine Knob, with Chicago. Yeah, that's going to be a great double bill. That'll oh, be super. Uh, yesterday, as we were getting off the air, I got a text from our good friend Todd Flood. The motions that were filed in Oakland County Circuit Court to sever the trial, uh, the defendants in the trial, the involuntary manslaughter trial against Jennifer and James Crumbly, that they were going to go it alone. Exactly what does it mean? Well, let's go to the source who gave us the heads up in the first place, Todd Flood, attorney and managing partner at Flood Law. Todd, good morning. Good morning, guys. Good this, morning, su- this surprised you not. Why not? Well, that's why I sent it to you, guys, because I think you and I talked about it. Yeah. It was predictable that um, one of the defend- of the two defendants was going to depart ways, or part ways, I should say, from the other. And it was clear from the outset, I think, anyway, that there was conflicts that were going to happen. It, it would just have to because there were individual text messages. Uh, from each defendant to other people talking about that. Um, it, how do you bring those text messages in for both defendants? It's hearsay, and you can't compel another defendant to testify. So um, it, it, just from Jump Street, you would see in cases like this that there would be one person testifying against another, um, and or there would be incriminating testimony on one but that, not the other. Why would you want to have a, one jury decide that fate? It's very, very difficult. So realistically, what would happen in a case like this is you would just have two juries. Um, that's why the prosecution agreed with it. You'd have two juries. So it's not a surprise. Um, it's just a surprise it took this long. You know, so we'll have two juries. So, so if a verdict comes out, will the judge hold one? And and until the other one comes out, because if you if you allow one to come out, could that influence the second jury? Uh, so, Lloyd, that is a great question, because normally you would have at one time you would have uh, two juries, one trial. This case is going to be two juries, two separate days. The first case is going to be in January and the second case is going to be sometime okay. thereafter. So it won't be held. Um, and, and there's a bunch of things you have to go through to get that sec- get to that second jury. You're going to have to have all the transcripts typed up. You're going to have to have um, quite a bit of work done before you get to the second jury. So the first one will go in January, that scheduled date. I think that's the 23rd, and then the, the next one will follow. Um, but it won't happen until sometime thereafter. Legally speaking, what about the stuff that was shared before these trials were separated? How does that work? In the sense of shared, so the public are shared with each other. Shared with each other is a big question. That's because that's, that's yeah. something that uh, you know the playbook. Think, yeah, you know the playbook one and two. If if I represented one of the defendants and the other defendant gave me, because there was a joint defense agreement, gave me secrets. And then all of a sudden, we severed. Those secrets are sacrosanct. I can't use those secrets uh, uh, against the other person, right? So I I think it it would be, it'd be interesting. um, It'd be interesting to see if there's later on some motion made by one of the defendants to disqualify their attorney um, because of secrets shared. 
you know, that's going to be that's going to be interesting um, to see how all that works out. And, and unfortunately, sadly, so this should have been telegraphed a long time ago. Yeah, the tripwire seems to be a witness or witnesses from Florida who, uh, when this was uh, put into the file that they had been deposed, uh, seemed to suggest that it gave one defendant the upper hand over the other. Could we make some informed speculation about whether they're family members who have uh, bad things to say about one spouse or another? Do, do we know what could have been so damaging that it that it tripped this? I, I think that's you know, really not I, I, a little incredulous. Just, I mean, just from the simple standpoint, because there were so much, there's so much evidence in the beginning of this that put each person at odds or pointing the finger at each other. So the Florida folks have ties to the family. Um, and it's my understanding that they, they say things that are um, realistically um, incriminate both of them. Don't, mm. you know, they don't, they, you know, so they, it, it puts them both uh, in the play. But I haven't seen that particular portion of it, but that would, it would make sense to me that there would be incriminating evidence as it relates to both of them. But again, Guy, I think ultimately this information doesn't give us anything new from the standpoint of having the finger pointed at each other um, or one left than the other i just ultimately think um that was that was out there well in advance that this could have been done a long time ago yeah well that was going to be my point the oakland county prosecutor karen mcdonald said that we talked about this a year ago and you guys were like no this is how we want to do it right 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 well the rules of ethics and the cases that are out there um this is one thing that you're taught really early on in, in criminal law. This is not a team sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I represent one defendant, and I got to do everything I can for that one defendant, regardless of what it is that it does to the other. So, you know, Prosecutor McDonald, she's right. This stuff was out there. It's uh, um, uh, and it's it's clear to me, and I'm sure that the courts um, wanted to make sure that it was clear that to them and that they can't waive what, you know, the, the certain conflicts that, that, that are there. Um, it's, you know, not going to be allowed. So it's just a shame it didn't happen earlier. Yeah, Todd, one of the things that, you know, mercifully, I thought that with the, the joint trial that the victims in this case would only have to testify once. With a split trial now, are they going to be put through this arduous and, and painful process, not once, but twice? Right. Right. And that's the sad part about this is, you know, the biggest part and everything else. But the triggering events that it has to take place, not only on my client, but all the others um, that that have a role or some testimony here. Right. In this case, um, it, you know, it's 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 hard enough. It's hard enough to to do the trial um, one time now to shepherd all those witnesses. And all of that evidence a second time, and the pro- and the defense has it has an absolute right to that, absolute right. So you can expect it. But just from a a sad standpoint, um, they should do this in one trial, two juries, 
to make this not happen and close this chapter in our lives. Thank because you. Yeah. In Michigan, we need to close this. Yeah, and 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 with some sensitivity to the damage that's already been done to these families, and something that they have to continue to live with every day as they look at an empty place at the at the breakfast table mm-hmm. every morning. Amen. Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly right. And this, you know, the triggers that that uh, this this case causes. I I I don't know how or when you begin to mourn. I don't know how or when you get to closure, right? Because this chapter right. has to get to that place before you can start to heal in a lot of ways. Well, Todd, you foresaw this, and uh, we appreciate your, your clarifying about what it means to all the parties here, and perhaps there can be some rejiggering of the schedule to to take the, 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 the human toll of this into consideration. Thanks for your insights, my friend. As always, thank you, guys. All right, Todd Flood, attorney and managing partner at Flood Law, who saw this uh, coming a mile away. It's 744 here on Newstalk 760 WJR. Uh, when we come back, Pope Francis... Uh, taking an extreme measure against a bishop here in America. We'll get to the bottom of that. Uh, but first, uh, we were well below freezing last night. You probably heard the furnace kick on. And if it made a noise, you should be alert to that because it could be the sign of a big problem. In fact, our friends at CNC Heating and Air Conditioning wanted me to share with you the four other signs that you need to be aware of as we enter the winter months. First, short cycling problems. When you hear it come on again and again and again, and it just doesn't seem to keep up. If it needs frequent repairs, that's a warning sign. If your family keeps getting sick, that can be a sign that your heating and cooling system and the filters within it are not up to stuff. And also, if your utility bills are just higher than normal, if it is inefficient, if it's costing you money, well, that's a sign that maybe a more efficient system should be in your future. If you've got any one of those issues, call CNC Heating and Air Conditioning. They are so committed to customer service, run by the same family for 75 years, the Corians. It's the reason they've become one of Michigan's most trusted heating and cooling companies and referred by our inside-outside guys. It's all about trust. So make sure you get your furnace tune-up and take advantage of the carrier cool cash savings if you need a new carrier furnace. Call 1-800-MY-FURNACE. That's 1-800-693-8762. You'll get a free 21-point comfort survey. They will look at every aspect of what you need for heating and cooling. And if needed, you can get installation of that new carrier heating and cooling system tomorrow. That's right. Review today, installation tomorrow. Visit cncheat.com. That's cncheat.com carrier. Turn to the experts.